The following podcast is presented to you by the BICBP Radio Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another week of the Camp Discussion Podcast. My name is Matt Johnson, one of your three hosts, always alongside Greg Knowlton and and Chris Golo. Chris Golo joining us all the way from West Seneca, New York. Armin Golo's back. <laughs> We're recording this episode about a week ahead of time. And, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Forgot about that. And the weather's starting to hit, come down now. It's just to have a big winter storm. Uh, winter storm Harper, snow I think. Snowpocalypse. Snowpocalypse. Yeah. It's, it's looking a little Donnie rough. Gill has got a hold of our area over here. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I wanted to do one last episode, one last comic book review. I will be off of the show forever. No, just kidding. Uh, for at least two to three weeks, uh, for those in the who aren't in the know, I'm getting married. Uh, by the time this episode airs, I will be a married man for two day, two whole days. And it's there? all, huh? Oh, I, I thought I lost again for a second. No, you're still there. You're still there. Um, so everything will be downhill from there. Uh, <laughs> so, and I'll be going out of my honeymoon almost immediately after the following week. So I'm just going to take a couple weeks. Refresh myself, and uh, Chris and Greg are going to carry the mantle for us. I'm sure they have some guests lined up and some oh, yeah. fun, some fun stuff to talk about. We're um, gonna just interview Prince every week. You can't have him. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, so yeah, it's I'm gonna miss it for a month. I think it's good though. I, I'm gonna need to recharge my batteries. I've been kind of I've been grinding at the whole podcasting thing since June. And I've been maybe a little obsessive with it at times. And like, I'm starting to see it now. Like the grind is real, but I want to make something of it. So a couple weeks off, refresh the batteries, take care of, you know, be with my soon to be wife and yeah, life is going to be good. But this week we are going to do, we did finally did the roulette. We drafted it last week after our Avengers MCU talk and this was a fun little bunch. We have nine books to review today, so we're going to get into it rather quickly. I don't think we have any Marvel or DC books. They're all... Yep. I have none. None? Yep. Nope. No. So they're all... Oh, that's cool. I didn't really different that. Uh, comic publishers, and I'm actually really excited for some of these, uh, to hear about some of these books, especially uh, the one I got for that Chris ended up grabbing, the Bruce Springsteen book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited, um, but... When I talk about that, there's an ad for a book that they had coming out the, that year that I really want to get. Oh, we'll yeah? Talk about it. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Excuse me. All right. Well, I'll start us off. This uh, The reviews are going to be a little bit quicker than normal because, yes, we do have nine books to go through, but it's going to be a pretty fun one. So I'm going to start off with my favorite one, actually, and it was the it was Simpsons Comics, number one, from uh, – the Bongo Comics Group. And the cover I, I I thought was hilarious. It's very, it's almost reminiscent of the very first Fantastic Four one with their own little uh, pitch to it. But I, I, the one thing that made me laugh is I hate when, when people who distribute an item, whether it be a comic book or something, go first issue collector's item. Like they tell you to collect it. Because nine times out of ten, when they tell you to collect it, it's not worth yeah. jack shit down the road, <laughs> ever, like almost every time. But this was actually a really good book. Um, 
it was kind of a t- little bit of a two-parter, but uh, the gist of it really was Homer's. <laughs> he's standing on the scale and Bart, Bart's reading off Homer's weight because Homer apparently can't see past his belly. <laughs> so Marge tells him that he's got to lay off the donuts. And then as he's driving into work the next day, he's looking into the sky and the clouds look like donuts. And then eventually turn into a box of donuts that says eats us home eat us homer that's how he is um that goes to mr burns the pretty much the owner of the springfield nuclear power plants and he's talking about you know all of his his money his financials and how he wants to be younger so he what he, he goes down to this lab he has and there's a rejuvenator ray that he's his scientists have been working on apparently and he wanted to use a test subject, and <laughs> it was pretty funny. As a union uh, worker, it was, he goes, yes, the union gave me the right to perform biological experiments on the workers in exchange for an extra five-minute coffee break. So I appreciated it. And it, he's looking at a camera, and it happens to be Homer Simpson, who's who's te- trying donuts because Marsh said only one donut. And he goes, which will be the one donut that will satisfy my cravings for the rest of the day? Tries one. Nope, that's not it. Tries another one. Nope, that's not it, until he finishes the whole box. But anyways, they call Simpson down. They blast him with the ray. And the next day, Homer can't put his pants on. <laughs> and he rips it. And he seems to be getting bigger. So Marge runs out, goes to buy him jeans, and comes back. And there's a giant hole in the wall in the shape of a giant Homer. And they're calling him the Colossal Homer. He's what, it's, The visuals are hilarious. He's walking around Springfield in his underwear. And he's he's a giant. He's giant. He's hitting his feet on, you know, foot on stuff, stubbing his toe, and he's walking on power lines and and whatever. So in in short, the you know, there's a bunch of a lot of comedy to this. You know, they're they're trying to stop him, and <laughs> at the end, like this, this I know Chris can't see him. <laughs> I don't know. There's just scene of Homer Simpson walking down a stripper row. They have a plan to get him to shrink down. It's some kind of some kind of remedy, some kind of medicine. I don't know what it is, but the plan is to send out a bunch of Duff beer trucks <laughs> down this road and Homer's following them. And when they get to a certain point, they blast him with the uh, the antidote, I guess, uh, to, to make him shrink. He bends over to pick up one of the beer trucks with the guy, the guy jumping out of it for trying to save himself. And they, yeah, they blast him right above the butt crack <laughs> And he shrinks down. They do some tests, and yeah, he's he's all better now. Uh, so that was the main story. It was a lot longer than that, but like I said, we're going to do quick reviews today. Uh, and then they had a little one at the at the back. It was a little Bart Simpson story called "The Collector," and it was pretty much a fantasy story of Homer being like this millionaire and but a huge comic book collector, and he has this special room where he keeps his books at optimal temperature so they don't. Uh, they don't fall apart. You know, they don't really age too bad. And he ends up getting locked in it when he goes to fix the air because it was scorching hot in there. Something was wrong and it. It was, it was really warm in there. And then he gets trapped. Something with a cat. No, his dog, his dog locks him in and then the, it gets really cold. So what ends up happening is his Butler ends up opening the thing two days later. And what he did to stay warm in this cold freezer that used to be his comic book room was Bernal's comics. They were all like first broke my heart. But uh all right, so let's get into the, but, oh go ahead, go ahead. 
that comic book I just looked online, anywhere between ten dollars, which is fine. Oh, to a hundred and fifty. Really? Yeah. So it is a collector. If it's graded high, it's worth upwards of a hundred dollars. Gollum. Oh, you might Gollum might get forty bucks for this, right? Gollum, oh, that, you bought that's this. Me. Oh, that's you. I took oh, care yeah, of as best as I can. Was, How much did you pay great. for this? Nothing. It was in a box of comics I got for my birthday. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not going to touch this anymore here. <laughs> That's crazy because that never happens. Never happens. All right. So let's get into the grading system. Uh, artwork, really good. It was pretty much spot on of the cartoon. A little bit more refined. This, the book came out in the 90s. Uh, 99, I think. But it's, but it's a little more refined. 93. But, what's it? 93. 93? Oh, okay. I thought I read 99. But um, could be mistaken. Um. But anyways, the art style was very reminiscent of the cartoon. Looked exactly like it. Ten for the artwork, action, little to no action. Uh, really, it is ninety three. Okay, my fault. Uh, the only action really was Homer getting blasted with the the remedy, the the medicine that made him shrink. It was very minimal. I'm going to give the action a two, but that's okay. It's a Simpsons book. I understand the story. It was funny. It was fun. It was it captured the really how the Simpsons is from a cartoon standpoint. Like I sometimes stuff like that doesn't translate well to comic books, but I, I found humor in, in all of it. And, and I pictured it in the style of an actual episode. I'm going to give the story a eight dialogue. I was feeling it. I was the, the dialogue came off. Well, I pictured in everyone's voice, vo- or excuse me, respective voices. And the dialogue was really easy to follow. Really humorous. I'm going to give the dialogue a 10. That was a strong point of it. Rereadability, would I pick it up again? Yes, I would. It was a long read. It was a fun read. And, yeah, if you're ever just in the need to, to laugh a little bit, relax and laugh, uh, I would definitely pick that book up again. I'm, gonna be, blah, blah. I'm going to give it a, a 7. So 37 out of 50 for Simpsons Comics number 1, 1993. All right, who's next? Uh, I'll go next. Okay. All right, so I'll start off with this one just because Matt's anticipation. I'll start. I'll start off with "Hey Boss," a parody of Bruce Springsteen. Yes. So, uh, this was from a Visionary Graphics, uh, which is a very interesting publisher. I'd never heard of before until this. And then um, it was. This is 1986. It comes out. It came out. It doesn't have a month. Just 1986. Okay. Now, it's funny, it starts off, like, before the comic starts, there's, like, a, just a, a quick note from the the guy that wrote it, Philip Wang, and it just seems like so, like, these guys were just, like, I don't know, smoking a lot of weed in their bedroom, and they're like, let's start a Bruce Springsteen comic. Do <laughs> more, you know, he goes, everybody would like this. Like, it was just very, like, casual, in my opinion. <laughs> I don't um, even worry. So, oh, I found that at David um, Adams, too. It was 25 cents. So yeah, I mean, listen, it was not the worst comic I read this week. It may have been the best, and we'll talk about it. Um, so it's actually it's it's like about a bunch of little short stories, and it's in like a black and white like Sunday comics kind of art, art feeling to it. Right. So the first one is called the Motel, and you got the E Street Band, and they they do a lot of things, so it's not copyrighted. Like E Street is like three E's. They don't say their names. They just call Bruce the boss. Um, Clarence Clemens is big man. 
Like they, you know, uh, they call Stephen Van Zant Miami. I don't know why they do that, but you know, Max Weinberg never even gets mentioned, but you know it's him. So, but there's thing motel where the guys are, you know, uh, Bruce Springsteen's like, yeah, I got this, I got this motel for us for free or whatever. So some of the guys take the room, and then him and Clarence Clemens have the room to the, have their own room. And you'll notice too, the theme is is it's really Clarence and Bruce is what they base like. They're like this buddy cop thing and all these like little stories. Okay. So, so the the first thing's called the motel. So Bruce and then um, uh, big man chief they call him Clarence. So they go in this motel and they're arguing over who should share the who gets the bed and the floor or whatever. And they decide to share the bed. So Bruce is in there right and he hears like chomping and everything. He's like Clarence, why are you eating in the bed? Whatever blah blah blah. And and he goes, you're going to attract bugs or whatever. And it ends up actually being a giant cockroach, like the size of a human in the bed. <laughs> so Bruce runs out and he sees, like, he sees Clarence in his pajamas. What's going on here? He goes, there's a giant bug or whatever. Let's go talk to the motel clerk. The motel, the motel clerk is like, you know, uh, didn't care. And that's because the motel clerk is also a giant cockroach smoking a cigarette. <laughs> <I>, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's right up your alley. I'm glad you picked this one. Well, it's great. And then there's like ways to kill the cockroach. Like they have like a giant slingshot. They have a slingshot, and they're they're basically trying to slingshot this cockroach to death in the in the motel room. Um, it doesn't work out. So now they decide they're going to go to a bar and pick up two ladies to find somewhere to stay for the night. Oh. My so God. they go to the bar and like they're singing and everything, and nobody cares and this and that. And then all the then like Bruce like has a breakdown because they can't find any uh women to go home with and then that's when the women are like oh you're so sensitive or whatever and they just go home with these two women that's the end of that story <laughs> very um, Bruce Princeton-esque. yeah uh the next one which was the oddest it was called the binkers and basically bruce said he left his guitar in a cab and they got to go to the cab driver's house uh to go get it well the cab driver is archie binker Yes, that's right. A parody on Art Bunk. Drawn the same way and everything. Yeah, him and Edith. And there's a nice little back and forth with Archie and Edith and, and this and that. And um, Bruce comes in with Clarence. And, you know, our, and, and it was funny how, like, you know, uh, they, they the, the, he goes, hi, my name is B dot 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 E, S dot 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 E. And he's like, and they broke the fourth wall very Deadpool. She's like, why can't you say that? Well, we don't want to get sued and everything for copyrights. <laughs> so, so they, it was pretty cool. They broke, they, they, they did a lot of like L, uh, Deadpool, like fourth wall breaking or whatever. So there's some back and forth, your typical Archie Bunker kind of racism and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> with Clarence. And then Clarence doesn't seem phased by it at all. Uh, there's a nice little thing where like, you know, Archie goes, sure, we'd love to have you guys for dinner. And, like, there's a little bubble that's just through himself. And Archie says, what I really mean is, is my dingbat wife invited you, not me, and I can't figure out how to get you guys out of here. Oh, no. <laughs> so they're eating dinner, and you see Bruce and, and Clarence are going to town and eating all this food or whatever. Um, then, you know, they leave, and then there's, like, a little back and forth between Bruce and Clemens, how, like, they're not allowed in neighborhoods like this because they're common people. <laughs> the, the next short story is called the road gallery and bruce talks about like i know you guys know my band but my band had a lot of members before the, the, this incarnation 
and they go through like these old band members. And one was a guy named Jimmy Do Very Little, and he was a drummer. <laughs> and and apparently now he uh, apparently now well he, here's the funny thing about it he refused he wanted to be out of the band because uh, he refused to participate in any song that referred to sex or interlocking machinery. And uh, he's the drum roll for a faith healer who specializes in toothaches and nagging mother-in-laws. <laughs> <laughs> this book sounds worth the quarter. Then the next guy was a guy named Steve Hellstorm. He's a former bass player, and he basically looks like he's out of kiss. And apparently right now he's he's uh, in Oklahoma trying to appeal obscenity conviction because he made vulgar noises with his guitar. <laughs> the next guy was the original saxophone player. His name was Muhammad Flamdunka. And he was a basketball player that played the saxophone. And um, unfortunately, both those careers didn't work out for him. So now he's a human flagpole. He's coming for two. And then the uh, the last member of Bruce's band that's no longer in there is uh, a guy uh, that used to also be a lead singer, um, and his name was Dean Larry Nova. And now he what he does is he, he he left because he has a different style of music. He has a band called the Trashmanics, and they play a special type of music which is classical rap with he- Hebrewic overtones. Interesting. That is very fitting. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a of, there's a picture of him basically playing. This, this is great. There's guys wearing moose yarmulkes. <laughs> that is incredible. with moose antlers on it because they're Canadian Jews. <laughs> Don't tell Jennings you read this book. Oh, I know, right? Um, <laughs> so the, uh, before I get to the next story, there's an ad for something that I have to read. It's called Reagan's Raiders, and it's basically Ronald Reagan in like this Rambo gear. What? That sounds incredible. <laughs> <laughs> he basically goes into war to, to get the power of the prisoners of war's home. I love it. Yeah, it looks fantastic. <laughs> so the next one is they call him Bruce. Uh, Bruce goes up to this bar. He sees Clarence. He's about to work as a bouncer. And Clarence is down. And he goes, why are you down, big man? And he's like, oh, well, I have this date, but I got to work, so I got to skip the date. He goes, no, I'll take care of you. Uh, you know, I'll take over for you. So Bruce is bouncing, but he knows it's going to be a bad idea. This one guy walks in with a dog and starts to, like, uh, like attack Bruce. So Bruce, you know, lets that guy in. Then this other girl walks in the bar and is looking for Big Man. She goes, yeah, we talk about our dreams. And she goes, I tell him how I want to have a, a child of an alien from outer space. And he's like, oh, I think that will work. He's, like, trying to apply logic to the scenario. Then there's a fight in the bar. Bruce tries to break it up, and and you look like Bruce has got this Karate Kid montage panel um, where it looks like he beats him up, but he's actually really beat up, and Big Man shows back up. because what's going on here? He goes, well, he got punched in the face, and he got knocked out. And uh, and then he goes, by the way, where'd you get this headband, which is like the Karate Kid son headband. And that, that was the end of that story that I won't okay. call they call me Bruce. So it was a bunch of little short stories. Um, It was better than I expected. Yeah? It was it was wacky, and it, and, it, and it was ahead of its time. Like, if this book comes out in the late 90s, or honestly, if these guys write for Cosmic Ghost Rider, it's, it's genius. But I'm sure in 86, it wasn't well-received. Um, probably probably not, no. Yeah, so it looked a I'll little – it looked it definitely looked cheaper. And I, like, I understood why I was in the I, – I understood why I was in the 25-cent bin. 
but it sounds I mean you reading it sounds like it was a really good book and yeah definitely was, definitely different it was a lot of fun. it's not if you don't take it too seriously like your Simpsons book it's a lot of fun yeah um uh starting off with the artwork I mean you know what I'm not a huge fan of the Sunday morning cartoon style and with the black and white so I'm gonna give that a seven okay it was cool but I, I can't I I black and white man I just I don't know um and as far as action, there's not a lot of action in this. I mean, they are trying to kill a co- giant cockroach, which is kind of funny. <laughs> so with, with with that said, I'll give that a five, I guess. Okay. Uh, dialogue. I thought that, or is it, yeah, dialogue or storytelling, right? Dialogue, right? Uh, story first, story first, yep. Sorry, just got my coffee. Storytelling. No, you're good. Storytelling. I, I, these were all little fun short stories. I mean, they like I said, they were in that Sunday comic style where it was it gets straight to the point. Um, I thought these were really fun. I'll, I'll give it. I'll give it a. I'll give it a nine. These were fun. nine. Okay. Yeah. Um, as far as dialogue, the dialogue was fantastic. Like I told you, this was like very Deadpool esque. Like it was ahead of its time. Um, it was really funny. Uh, you know, uh, I'm gonna. I'm going to give it a 10. This was really good dialogue. Very good. All right. And as far as rereadability, it's a fun little book. Uh, you don't need to know a backstory or anything. You just need to know who Bruce Springsteen is. And it, it does – the thing about this book is I'm picking it up in 2019, and it doesn't seem dated to me. That's you know? important, I mean, too. That's important, the too. The Family thing – that was a really famous show. So, but let's say they picked a random, like they did like silver spoons. That was like, big maybe it would have been a little outdated, but <laughs> um, so, uh, I, I mean, with that, I'll give that a 10. Cause it's a fun little, like, it's like, Hey, here's a Bruce Springsteen comic. Not bad. 41 out of 50. I knew it'd be right up your alley. It, it, so. it was a lot better than I expected. The book this week, the book that I expected to be the best was the worst. And the book that I expected to be the worst was the best. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Greg had a runoff. He has a fo- important phone call. So I'm going to jump in next, and he'll just fill in as soon as I'm done. So the next one uh, I grabbed was Aliens Defiance. It's a pretty simple book. Dark Horse Comics, issue number one. So, yeah, another nice uh, not not Marvel one. This book was relatively simple in, in, in the flow of it. It was pretty much like any other alien storyline, but it was... It was relatively cool. Um, so here we have, there's a bunch of soldiers are flying uh, into their space, uh, this giant spaceship, and, and pretty much everything falls to crap relatively soon. Uh, the main character, I forgot her name. Um, oh, what's her name? I can't find it. Um, but they put her in, they put her to, to like a, a cryo sleep essentially and she so she goes under and then they sent a bunch of soldiers and stuff into into the spaceship and they get attacked by aliens uh which are really really cool designed uh i love the artwork for that it's going to be a huge grade for me but the aliens pretty much mess them up uh real good <laughs> real i guess the best way to describe it um, the main characters, or Hendrix, Hendrix is her name, excuse me. She gets woken, woken up out of her sleep and welcome back, Greg. Everything, everything good. Yeah. Okay. Good. I just wasn't sure. Okay. Um, Hendrix gets woken up 
she's starting to come to. And pretty much she she states that she's going to go and find these alien characters and give them the, give them the business. So, um, I mean, it was relatively simple in story, but it was definitely number one. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I can actually go right into the ratings with that. It was pretty simple. Um, let's go. Artwork. Artwork was... It was a different style, very different style. It was dark. Uh, I think when Christian was on a couple episodes ago, he used the term muddy for it, and I liked it. I think it gave a good good vibe, good uh, good ambiance to to what an alien comic book would and should look like. So I'm going to give the artwork a t- uh, nine. Action. Up next, there was, I mean, there was some, the aliens, I mean, it, it was pretty visual with the, with the aliens uh, beating on the soldiers, murdering the soldiers. There was some cool cool stuff, but it wasn't it wasn't amazing what I'm used to from a you know like a Marvel or a DC superhero comic book traditionally. Uh, I'm gonna give the action a I'm gonna give it a seven. Uh, story story, like I said, the story was simplistic. It wasn't. A, a whole lot, but you can tell if I'm, I don't know how many issues this series ran, but it uh, it was definitely a first one. Sometimes the first ones are really tough. Sometimes they they really hook you in. This one, uh, I'd give I'd give it a seven as well. Dialogue, dialogue, super simple, easy to follow, helped with the story, kind of helped get a grasp of what was going on. Uh, I'm going to give that a seven as well. And the rereadability, it's, it wasn't horrible. It wasn't horrible by any means, uh, but it wasn't wasn't you know great either. Uh, it's kind of middle of the pack book, and I'm sure I would I would like to you know pick up if I can find issue number two eventually. Pick that up and you know see what's going on. So uh, rereadability, I'd give it a six. So thirty six out of fifty. For Aliens Defiance number one. All right, Greg, you ready, bud? Oh, go ahead. I'm one. sorry. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, no, I just didn't want to spend that one because I got that. So, uh, my wife got me a, a comic book subscription for a while called Comic Block, and they okay. were sending exclusives, and that was one of them. And I was, I actually never got a chance to read it, so I was intrigued of how it would be uh, okay. come off. Actually, every comic I put in the roulette was a comic block exclusive because I thought it was neat because you're not going to find that in the store. So No, you're not. Yeah, I just yeah. now that you say that, I see it's got the little graphic on the front cover. That's pretty cool that they do that. But yeah, artwork really cool, but I, I'm sure like future issues, this is definitely setting up something. Like I said, issue number ones are always tough. They're kind of hit or miss and they uh, you know, I'm sure it's set up some pretty cool encounters down the road. So yeah, not bad. All right, Greg. Hello. What's up? <laughs> I did Astro City number 13 was the first book I pulled. Uh, it's an image comic. So let's jump into it. You get um, – it's like a, a restaurant, and it's Looney Leo's, and there's this, like, cartoon lion that's running it. And it's all regular people around. Um, and he bas- this advertiser comes in and basically asks this lion – to be in ads for Toyota, which that just is 
you know, right there, that gives you a bad vibe. Yeah, <laughs> everyone knows. <laughs> <laughs> Team Kia over here. Yeah, family for life. <laughs> um, and so, but this line basically goes like, didn't you hear what happened? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and starts telling his life story. And it starts at a movie theater where this evil villain brought a gorilla to life using a ray that made people believe it was real. Uh, it brought it off screen, this like Roman gorilla. And as he was doing this, I guess it was so powerful. It brought Leo the lion alive, um, who was just like a, he was the feature act before the a cartoon featured before the gorilla. Gotcha. And when he comes to life, he decides to help this um, James Bond esque hero, the gentleman take down this gorilla. Um, but by taking down the gorilla, destroying the thing that brought him to life, uh, it starts to make him fade. So the gentleman wills everybody to bring Leo the lion to life by believing in him. <laughs> um, and as he's doing this, uh, or after he does this, he signs an agreement and he helps the gentleman fight crime and also um, is in feature movies because the um, company that originally created Leo the Lion basically goes, no, we own you now and owns the rights to Leo the Lion's life. But because he was a hero, it gets him out of it. But he still decides to do a bunch of movies. Um, and he becomes famous, and he's doing all these these different features, but eventually people f- become bored of it. Um, and he goes into a life of drinking and doesn't really have anything going on. Um, but he does start to star in a kid's TV show for a little bit, um, which also eventually... Closer. There, you there go. we go. <laughs> also eventually fades off um, because of some other stuff that's going on in his life. Uh, and he's just depressed because he actually, all of the stuff that happened in the cartoons are real memories to him. Like it feels like they actually happened, even though they were fake. Um, he had like a girlfriend and nephews and he misses those people. Um, so he goes to drinking, gets into bar fights that people sleep under the rugs. Um, but eventually a hooker dies in his house by ODing. And it turns out she was 14. Um, just pretending to be 18. Uh-oh. So he gets in a bunch of trouble for that. Um, but he gets exonerated because there's no proof that it was directly his fault. Um, and, but he gets kicked off all of his shows and kind of just goes into a life, um, for six years, just, just walking through the desert and like these harsh conditions and not eating and he can't die because of it. Um, and he meets this alien Zardo who convinces him to, um, suck belief out of other people so he can go back to where he came from. Um, and this is, he starts telling the story about the myth master who fought the honor guard, which is this group of superheroes um, and was about to kill them, but decided not to. And it turns out he was the myth master the whole time. Uh, he takes like, he's this like huge armored, like beast. And he takes off the mask and it's just this weird, like goofy snaggle puzzle looking <laughs> lion underneath it. Uh, and it was actually Zardo who convinced him to do that. But because he didn't kill them, honor guard um, protects him and like forgives him. And he just has to like live off basically in this house by himself for a while. Um, and, but the, the network brings his cartoons back um, he's not involved in them, but he gets a little bit of royalties from this. Um, but eventually they open up a restaurant with his name. Um, and he just works as like the Chuck E. Cheese of it. Uh, and he says, so yeah, I'll never work in showbiz. 
He goes, you know what? Never mind. And he signs the Toyota paperwork. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yep. It's a weird book. I bet. I, did, I think, did I put that one in there? Yeah. Alex Ross did the cover, which is cool. Okay. Um, so just – but the rest of the book, I don't it, – it's really good, but there's moments the inking is weird to me. Um, he just – it's just partly – maybe just because Leo doesn't fit with the rest. Like the artwork is incredible, and then you've got this like snagglepuss-looking lion just like tossed in there. Yeah. And it threw me off. I'm going to give the artwork a six. Okay. Um, geez, I forgot everything already. Action. There really wasn't many much action. The, the little scuffle in the bay. I'm gonna give the action a three. Okay. Um, do 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 action stuff. Wow, I'm so tired today. Uh, story. Story. Story was a great, actually, a very clever original story. I'm gonna give the story a ten. It was okay. Very different. Um, the dialogue. The dialogue was okay. Uh, the dialogue was nothing special. Nothing that wowed me. Um, I'm going to give the dialogue a five. Okay. And rereadability. If this was the story, I wouldn't be hooked. But I was interested, so I looked it up. This is actually about a, Astro City is a comic book that's been running since 95. Okay. Uh, and it's all about that honor guard, those different superheroes that exist in this this futuristic-esque city. Um, and Alex Ross does a lot of the artwork for it. This was just like a random side story just tossed in there. This isn't actually about the main character. I gotcha. Okay. Um, so I actually already downloaded the other Astro City comics because I'm super interested. It's like a Silver Age comic book story. Um, so I'm going to give the rereadability a seven because it found a way to hook me into the rest of their comic book, even though I really wasn't crazy about this one. Okay. I gotcha. All right. 31 out of 50 for that book. Uh, I'm intrigued by the back. <gasps> Resident Evil. I didn't even notice that. It's a wild storm. Yeah. Wow. I I want to find I, I need to find those. I've been oh. looking for Resident Evil comic books for quite some time. Yeah, and that's noted Astro City was actually a Vertigo comic first. Oh. And became Image. So that makes sense why Wildstorm would be part of it, because Wildstorm and Vertigo also work together there. Um and Wildstorm is an image comic property now, kind of and DC. It's weird. Do you want me to just do another one then? Um, we'll have Chris go, and then we'll have you go right after, and then we'll go back. Yeah, that works. normal. Um, so yeah, Chris, you're up, bud. Hold hold on one second here, guys. Oh, you're good. So my next book, um, and I think this may have been Greg or maybe Matt. I don't know to put it in there, but Ultra Reverse Wrath. Oh, that was me. I put both of the those your last two in there. Yeah. So this is from Malibu Comics. Um. And uh, 1990, uh, see, 1994, March 1994 was uh, was the year on it. And uh, um, I'll get right into it. It's a nice little book. Uh, I'll get right into it. Uh, it's called the. This title was a radical approach. And you see, like a couple homeless guys by a fire, joke around about how they found an orange in the garbage, whatever. And then you just see, like, they're like, "What is that?" And there's like a shadow of like three people. And then you just see a lot of blood splatter on the wall, and one of the homeless guys dead. And then the other two are basically attacked by these three, uh, two guys, one girl, and they're in these like uh, green and yellow, like uh, full body suits with masks. Very kind of uh, deathstrokeish, you know, um, uh, in the aspect. And I get they're called the radicals. So they basically just kill these three homeless people for a workout. That's what they call it. Okay. Wow. So then you show, you see uh, uh, 
a guy by the name of Thomas Hunter. He just gets back home from what he says a mission. You don't know much about it. Him and his uh, wife are having a little back and forth. Um, then, uh, then we go into this scene where, like, it looks like we're in like a, a research laboratory, and all these doctors and scientists are talking about how they have to, uh, you know, Project Wrath, which uh, ends up being this Thomas Hunter guy, and the Ultraverse, which which is kind of cool. I guess the Ultraverse is like Malibu is basically their 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 universe. So like everything okay. they everything ties together, which is kind of cool. Um, uh, so, cause there's like Ultraman stuff like that. So, but so you, you see, they're just, uh, basically they're, and by the way, the, this like secret government organization, it's called Aladdin and basically they test on people and give them like special powers and everything. And they basically say, Hey, we got to go get the radicals. They're out of control, whatever. Cause the radicals were a group and you'll find out that Thomas Hunter was in their group too, but the radicals like broke off from them cause they're just, they're. I don't know if the experiments went awry or whatever, but they're basically bloodthirsty. <laughs> so, yeah. So you see them, uh, uh, they're having a little back and forth. They're in New York City. Uh, they're almost beating up each other like they're that out of control. Um, then Thomas Hunter shows up and he sees one of the doctors. The doctor goes, yeah, I want you to go find the radicals, but don't kill them. Just go get them. Um, and he's like, yeah, I'll be professional with it because he's obviously got some bad blood there. Um so Rath, he he's looking for uh, he's looking for them, and then the radicals show up, uh, and they're about to, their names are Bohm, Albright, and Marcus. So they show up, and there's a nice little uh, fight on the rooftop. Um, very ninety nineties ish, like for this field too. By the way, like uh, you know that X Men Wild, you know you guys brought Wild Storm, like that, you know that feel. Right. Right. Um, so there, there's a, there's just a constant back and forth um, and a little banter back and forth on the rooftop and then this guy shows up and it's he's he's almost like a taskmaster he has a red like skull kind of mask like skeleton mask and he's wearing like a green cloak on top of his head you know uh, and then he's got like just basically like uh, bulletproof armor and then like um, cargo pants with like knee pads and this and that and boots. Uh, and he shows up and like say his name you find out his name is Slayer, but he shows up and he starts Slayer. talking to Raph. Yeah, and Raph has no idea who this guy is. Like he's beating these guys up, uh, the radicals and that, and he shoots one of the radicals with his gun. Because I guess the Slayer guy doesn't have power, he's just like a vigilante. <laughs> and then the Slayer guy gets goes away and, and now Hunter is you know, Raph is just left and he's like, What's going on here? And then uh, a bunch of detectives from Aladdin show up and they say, um, you know, say, hey, you're not supposed to be here. What is this? And he goes, no, doctor, the doctor Escada gave me on this mission. He goes, he wasn't authorized to give this mission. And then uh, he, he, you see Rath has to go to some government facility. And then and then just, they just say that the next issue is free. So um, fun little 90s. Definitely this is a 90s indie comic all the way through. You could tell that that Jim Lee influence that influenced a lot of uh, comics, you know, like Wildstorm, like this, you know, comics of that ilk. Um, but this was a fun, like I said, this was a fun little read. Uh, as far as I'll get right into it, guys. As far as artwork, I I don't know, maybe just because I was such a big fan of cartoons as a kid, like the superhero cartoons in the '90s, and I love this look. But I thought the artwork was pretty cool, and with the nostalgia alone, I'll give the artwork an eight. 
Okay. Um, as far as action, there was a good amount of action in there. You you got the 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 people killing the homeless guys, and then the the rooftop battle, which is pretty sweet. And I really like the Slayer guy. Very like I said, Taskmaster, Punisher, Moon Knightish uh, feel I got from him. Um, so uh, with, with that being said, a lot of pretty good action. I'll give that an eight as well. Eight as well. Um, okay. Storytelling. You know a little bit about the experiments and everything, and I actually kind of put two and two together, but they don't get a lot of background on that. It's the third issue, so it's not far down the rabbit hole that they should still be telling you what's really going on. It's not like it's issue 18 or 19 or something like that. So with that, I'm going to give that a six. Six, okay. Um, dialogue. Um, dialogue's pretty all right, but once again, I get a little lost with what's really going on, like, why did Hunter leave the Radicals, or why are they really that crazy? So I'll fix that as well with dialogue. Okay. And as far as rereadability, at least it's a fun little book, not something I would pick up. Like, you know, I, you know, you guys know me. I go for out of the ordinary or like, oh, wow, they made a comic based on, you know, like the California Raisins. Like, that's my style. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. I mean, I'm pretty sure that comic book exists, probably, but nonetheless. <laughs> um, <laughs> But 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 otherwise, I mean, it's 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 a fun little book. It was the '90s. It was like I said, it was a McFarlane Lee inspired book. And I never even, I mean, David Ammerman was the writer. His name doesn't ring a bell. He may be famous. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I'll uh, I'll give it a, I'll give it a seven for a year though. Not something I would normally pick up and go, hey, you got to have this. But if if I stumbled upon it in like a twenty-five cent comic thing, I'd be like, wow, this was a a good find. Okay, not bad at all. 35 out of 50 for yeah. that book. Not bad. All right, Greg. Oh, I'm back book up. two. Oh, I can't pick it up. <laughs> this is issue number five of Die, Die, Die. Uh, it's an image comic, um, and Robert Kirkman is the writer on it, who you know from, um, wow, The Walking Dead, and then he did a um, – I read. A th- I think I read a book or two of his. Oblivion song, and he's done. Some I think stuff. he did Gideon Falls. He might have been part of Gideon Falls. One, I read some. I think it was Image Book. Yeah, he, he does a lot. Like Walking Dead is his most famous. Yeah, okay. Um, so this starts off with uh, talking about Bethany and Theodore. They are two agents um, in a basically like I'm guessing like the CIA essentially. Um, and it's talking about how they're not supposed to be together. Their relationship's forbidden, but they work together and everyone knows that um, they put them together as a team because everyone knows they love each other so much that anyone who tries to hurt, like separate them will die. And there's this panel of just them like plucking out guys' eyeballs and like the girl's like shoving a knife through a guy's head and like his eyeballs exploding out of the top and they're just killing everyone around them, like staring at each other lovingly. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> um, Hot opener. <laughs> yeah, it cuts over to this weird, like, like case. Like, a, there's like a Senate going on. I don't really know what's going on. And then this creepy old guy hands this like older woman a note, and it's just and like a stick figure drawing of him, basically telling her to blow him. And he's like waving at her. Weird. Uh, and then it cuts over this. I love this part. Cuts over to this other guy, and this is this like long-haired commando. And he's got um, all of these other like soldiers just like tied up. Their helicopters explode, um, and they're like tied up, all dead except for two. And one's hanging upside down by his ankle with another dead body hanging off of him. 
and he he just goes uh, <laughs> the guy asks like oh is the guy hanging from you dead he goes nope he just crapped himself and he's passed out scared he goes okay good <laughs> and he's just like they're just talking back and forth and the the dialogue's great the guy's just like sir if i knew you was you coming to kill us like i would have just we just would have slit our throats ourselves like but it's an honor to have you be the one to kill us <laughs> and they're like there's clearly like some respect and it's just super funny he's like um he goes i don't think i'll ever walk again sir but you're a hell of a guy <laughs> it's like thanks and they're just like going back and forth and it's great like they just respect this guy and like just like it's super weird he's like i'm glad you were the one that shot me sir it's like, it's like but i was really hoping to cut your throat and be the one to kill you with, with that glory can you blame me like, <laughs> and then um he walks forward and the the guy who's like driving the helicopter for them just says the f word and is like uh are you gonna kill me he goes not if you fly me uh, or fly me in the helicopter he goes okay sir and just tells him to hop in <laughs> um he cuts over to this like agent and uh, he's dropping his daughter off at school. And the teacher is like telling him that um, his daughter punched two boys that were making fun of her. And he goes, she was, uh, uh, she needs to be talked to. He goes, why to congratulate her. He goes, she goes, no, violence is not the answer. And he laughs in her face and goes, you just made my morning. <laughs> uh, and then there's this weird thing where he's like watching two parents like holding hands and like he's like clearly sad and um, his wife isn't in the picture. Uh, he walks in and that old lady from earlier is, got her, is bent over on the desk with a gun to her head. Uh, and it's the, the guy that they were talking to. Um, and he's asking why they sent someone to kill him. And there's this like weird dialogue. She's like, I normally enjoy being bent over the desk, but can we speed this up? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it cuts over and it's cutting back and forth. And like, we're not the ones who sent, sent them after you. Uh, it must've been someone else. Like the government's huge. It most likely was a government, but not our specific branch. Um, and he asks where his brother is. It cuts back to Bethany and Theodore and um, they're jumping out of a, a an away from an explosion and there's hands flying everywhere and people getting bullets through the brain and through their cheek. And one guy's like a bullet goes in one side of his cheek and out the other and his teeth are following behind it. Um, and they're just in this giant shoot off trying to get to the president before he gets killed. Um, and, and they're trying to protect him. And then another agent who you can assume is the, the long haired guy's brother is there with the president cutting his head off. Um, and they'll they basically call him a murderer and tell him how he's betrayed him, and he's telling them how he's setting them up to frame them. Uh, and they get into this big knife fight between the three of them. Um, he shoots the girl in the arm and then throws the guy into a mirror, and he runs off. Um, they fight down the stairs. All of a sudden, two airplanes come in and bomb the place, uh, and he sends out a text saying to the, another guy from the beginning um, that Bonnie and Clyde are on the run, done deal. Um, basically saying like they've been set up to be framed and uh, it's all going to be there. Uh, it's all going down. And then the president gets in the car to drive away and it's clearly supposed to be Obama. Um, <laughs> and the old guy from creepy old guy from earlier is saying uh, like, a bullet in your head's gonna fix everything. 
as he like waves off. This is a weird book. I liked it though. I actually did really like it. <laughs> I'm actually I'm gonna give the art a nine. Um, it looks like an Archer comic. Okay. Like, it's a similar art style to the show Archer. It's a little different, but that's definitely the vibe I got from from basically the whole comic. Um, was Archer. Uh, I'll give it a nine. Action, a 10. There's a ton of action. This was crazy gory, uh, which I'm fine with. I like old school action. Like, gore does not even phase me. I it actually thought it was great. Um, wow, I'm so bad today. It's okay. It's early. <laughs> story. It's earlier than normal. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't really follow the story. Story is going to be the lowest score. I couldn't follow the story. I wasn't really sure what was going on. It was a little confusing. And, and part of it, it's a, it's a fifth issue, but I wasn't sure who every character was. So I'm going to give it um, a five. Okay. Um, and then dialogue-wise, the dialogue was awesome. The the Just the, the back and forth between the one guy and the soldiers he was killing was incredible. I'm going to give the dialogue a nine. Okay. Uh, and reread, really, I would read this again. Like, again, it felt like I was reading an Archer like a comic based in the Archer universe. And that's one of my favorite shows. Uh, I, I, believe it or not, one of my favorite animated series <laughs> right <laughs> now. Um, I, it's super weird. It's definitely not a normal for me, but I love it. Uh, I'll give this a seven. And Gullo, for you, one of the sound effects was Baraka Badoom. <laughs> oh, that's a really good one. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Very good. Uh, Greg, forty out of fifty for that yeah, book. This so probably, must really like it. This is probably my favorite I read today. Okay, very good. Um, all right, my our we're done on the last ones already. We did pretty good today on time. Uh, tank girl, two girls, one tank. <laughs> Greg is thankful that. Uh, <laughs> Greg is thankful that he didn't pick this one up, but probably for the best. Probably for the best. <laughs> probably for the best. Uh, Chris, right? Chris, you put this one in. Yeah, uh, I, girl, I was. I was that makes actually that makes sense. Yeah. I was hoping to be X twenty three ish. It was better than that. It was, okay, it was good. Good. It was better than that. You tried and you failed. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, it starts off, and this is a number one as well, and it's made by Titan Comics. Came out June of 2016 and at the bottom it straight up says suggested for mature readers so at the beginning there is a art gallery and this woman is with a this who kind of runs the gallery is with some some gentleman who happens they wheel in tank girl's tank i know drastic <laughs> and uh it's they're like, wow, really? How'd you guys get it? And they said he won it. I forgot how he said he won it. He won it in a game with some dumb arse kangaroo, apparently. Oh, it was a contact that they had. So the kangaroo is actually a main character in this story. Yep. I forget his name. Yeah. Uh Booga. Yep. <laughs> I only know about Tank Girl, obviously. Okay. I've never watched or heard yeah anything of it probably for the best yep <laughs> uh, <laughs> seriously um so so they're they're excited they got this really cool art piece and then they cut over to to tank girl and the waga waga territory uh, 
she, all she just says is the F word. And in the background, you see Booga and their best friend, Barney, who is naked. They're sitting by a waterfall in a pool, kind of just hanging out. Uh, talk about how, you know, she, Tank Girl left for a couple days, came back, and the tank was gone. And obviously, Booga is not going to say what happened, but um, they go into their little shed and they have a bunch of other vehicles. They, they grab another tank and they go out riding and they want to get their tank back. So it cuts back over to the museum or to the gallery. Uh, the person runs the gallery. She's going home. She Slightly undresses, eats Chinese food, and starts to drink a little bit, and then picks up a magazine about Tank Girl. And then immediately after, she cuts her hair. She like she's she's absolutely gorgeous, and then she shaves her hair in the style of Tank Girl, and ends up busting the tank out, riding her vehicle back over, and busting the tank out of the gallery blasting a hole in the wall and just riding it down the throughway. So uh, Tank Girl and, her, and Booga and the and was it Barney, I think it was, they're riding around. They meet this guy who's like a drug addict for decaf coffee. It's kind of weird. It was it was all for some intel as to where where the uh where the, the missing tank was. And then there's a police chase. The the police are chasing. Oh wait, no, excuse me, I messed that up. Uh, a lead with the tank and to hijack a bunch of money so they can buy a new tank um, as well. <laughs> it's a hot mess. So they eventually get the uh, they get the truck driver who who's carrying all the the cash. It's all like kind of messed up money and. Like beat up, so they they're going to dispose of it. So, but they take it and they're and uh, there's a big police chase. And while the police chase is going on, Tank Girl rides up next to the museum owner. She's like riding right next to her, who's in her tank and looks just like her. And uh, that's kind of how the book ended. It's a little confusing, but I, you know, I didn't hate it at all. It was a little weird, though, because it says next two girl. Oh, it says next two girls, two tanks, not two girls, one tank. Okay, that makes sense. That clears that one up. Uh, <laughs> all right. So let's get into the scoring as soon as I can lock my phone. Artwork. Really like the artwork. Very. Uh, trying to think of what book it reminded me of. I can't recall off the top of my head. I think it might have been, uh, remember that book Tice recommended to us? Atomic Robo. Yes. It kind of reminded me of that <laughs> style of, whoa, all right. Oops. Uh, <laughs> but I, 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 the artwork was a strong point for it. The visuals were really cool, especially the boobies. So um, I'm going to give that a 10. Action. I almost forgot myself. Action. There was some... There was minimal action in here. There really wasn't a whole lot. Very, yeah, really not many at all is what, from what I would expect from a book called Tank Girl. But obviously, it's a number one. It's setting up something. So like like I said earlier, it's number ones are typically hit or miss. 
Um, so action's very minimal. I'm going to give that a four. Uh, story. Story. It was a pretty cool story, I thought. Uh, this might be one of my favorite books that I did today. Well, I only, yeah, it was, it was really, it was really well. Uh, it was really well. It was really, really well <laughs> done, I think. Is that a bad thing? Because well done sakes suck. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Good point. You got me there. Uh, but yeah, the story was really cool. And the second one, I'm curious as to how this pans out. It's it's a different story. And, and like the point of the show, I wrote an article about it on our WordPress. You know, this is all about the show is all about expanding our horizons. And I love the theme of this roulette that we all got stuff that we would not normally pick up any other day. Mm-hmm. I would never pick up a tank girl book. I would probably, I might pick up an aliens one. Uh, and Greg, I'm sure you read a bunch of stuff that you wouldn't normally pick up either. My last same book's the, the only book I would pick up on my own. So, um, so yeah, the story, interesting. I'm going to give it an eight dialogue, very vulgar, lots of swear words. I like it. And it was, it felt real. It felt real. Uh, the book did say it was for mature audiences, and it definitely was with the language. So the dialogue uh, was a huge, huge to it. Um, and actually, this book had like a Mad Max vibe to it as well. But on that note, I'm going to give that a 10. Rereadability? Um, yeah, absolutely. Did not hate it at all. I think it was a very well-rounded book different but well-rounded so i'm going to give the rereadability a seven giving it a score of 39 out of 50 i think that might be my highest rated of the day i'm not 100 sure but 39 out of 50 for tank girl number one june 2016 all right chris all right all right guys here uh so i don't usually have a, a lot of negative thoughts on this show i keep it pretty positive but let's talk about Codename Strike Force. <laughs> um, this was written by Mark Silvestri, which on paper you get really excited. He, he wrote Batman. He wrote Cloak and Dagger. He wrote Wolverine. He wrote X-Men comics. Uh, he wrote some Spawn. And he was one of the, he was one of the guys that, that started Image. Hmm. So, and this is an Image comic. It's from 1994, July 1994, Codename Strike Force, issue number five. All right, so it starts off, there's like some spaceship kind of thing, which, you know, looks like much like the Star Jammers base, you know, it's shaped in like a T, though. Um, and you, there's this like blue shark looking guy, and he's he's beating up what looks like a guy that looks exactly like him, but it's actually, he's just, he just keeps punching mirrors, and he's talking crap to himself. Then this other guy comes in, um, Kind of cable-esque looking a little bit to the aspect. And he's just, like, calmed down, and then they start fighting each other. I don't know why. Because they're <laughs> supposed to be partners. Um, and then uh, you go into this, like, you know, conference hall. And then there's, like, a few more. There's, like, a guy that kind of looks like Omega Red. A girl looks like Sadlock. And a guy looks like Deadpool. And they're talking. And, you know, about, like, whatever their next mission is or whatever. And then in comes the shark guy, and he starts fighting them. And you're like, what? What, what is happening? Like, and there is a, actually a cool sound effect. At least there's crack. <laughs> um, also, shree is in there as well. 
Um, but they're just fighting each other, and then you see the other members of this codename Strike Force, and they're and 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 they're they're fighting the the two guys that were like in the opening panels, and then in comes this dude with like six arms, who who kind he kind of looks like Kano, and um, uh, Kano had a baby with uh, who's the six arm guy we talked about a lot, two weeks ago to him Mortal Kombat. Uh, Goro, four arms. Yeah, so yeah so Kano and Goro had a baby. His name is yeah. Kano. Gano. Gano. Well, yeah, Gano. Yeah. Um, George Gano. So Graham Gano. Um, but he says, and then there's a guy that looks like Professor Xavier. I mean, this is such an X-Men ripoff. It's ridiculous. There's a guy that looks like X- Professor Xavier, but he's got, like, some weird, like, uh, like, like metallic piece in his arm, kind of like Smite used to have, like, in his, yeah, um, and they just, like he's like calm down now or whatever blah 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 and you realize they're all a freaking team and there was no reason for any of the fighting mm. like and there's no there's no nothing makes sense with the dialogue you don't know why they were fighting <laughs> so then you go to the scene where like one of the guys in the strike force walks in and he's actually the most like he he's like cable cable esque looking and he gets like attacked by this like technovore looking creature. Um, which these, I mean, the artwork is kind of cool. The panels are kind of cool. But, and this creature takes control of him. And now he looks more cable ish than he ever has. And, and the other strike force, they go into this building. And here comes the technovore creature. And actually, there's kind of two guys that look like cable. I'm really confused. Um, <laughs> So the creature comes out and like goes to attack him, and it's the end of the comic. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. I really expected this to be amazing by the artwork in front. Yeah, it I had like a, a life field feel for sure. D- no, definitely. And Sylvester wrote the Wolverine run from ninety to ninety two. So okay. that makes a lot of sense. And he wrote some uncanny X and stuff like that. Um but man, was this garbage. Uh, <laughs> is this X-23 number four bad? Yeah, I know it's issue number five, but it's like, dude, like the, when, the, when the 75% of the book is people fighting each other and you have a Technovore in the end, but use the Technovore more. <laughs> um, all right, I don't know, so we'll get right into it. The, the artwork's the best part of this book. Um, it's that '90s X-Men, like you said, Liefeld-esque, like Deadpool, very cool. But because it is basically, I mean, it is the guys that started that style, so I can't say it's a ripoff. Right. Sylvester did jump over from Marvel to Image. Um, I mean, the artwork's sweet. I'll give that an eight. Okay. Now, action. On paper, there's a lot of action, but because it makes absolutely no sense, it's getting a three. Oh. Tree. It's got to make sense. Right. Uh, um, storytelling. Um, I don't know what the hell is going on uh, at all. <laughs> like, it just makes absolutely no sense. Like, you thought the, the Professor Xavier guy was a bad guy, and he ends up being a good guy. I, I'm so confused. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give a, I'm going to give a two. Oh. Um, the dialogue, once again, the dialogue did absolutely nothing other than the cool sound bubbles. Like there is other ones like ka-chink and slink and sklitch. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
I just want to have. We should do do an episode where Gullo reads sounds <laughs> sounds from comic books. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, dialogue garbage. Uh, we'll give that a three, and I'll give it a two. Two, uh, okay. Give it a two. Give it a two. Rereadability. Um, that's going to be an absolute zero for me, dog. Uh, <laughs> absolute zero. I, I'm we... sorry, guys. I, I really wanted to like this. I really did. I I think we have a new toilet bowl comic. I'm actually surprised there weren't more bad comics in this, to be honest. Yeah, we actually hit pretty favorable. They wanted to be bad, and they weren't. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, wow. A lot, 15. 15 out of 50. 15 out of 50. Suck 50. it, Marshall Buster. <laughs> and, Suck it. <laughs> so... That might be our you know, worst book. Like, I have to go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, real quick, I was just gonna say, from what for me, what it feels like is I looked up his bio, and he started Image, and he pumped out books. And I feel like this was just like, oh crap, we have to pump out more books because of the publishers want them. And this is the '90s comic boom, and I think that's this probably this probably is. I met he's got a lot of good work, so this was just probably like, oh, I got to put a series out. Right. Right. Yeah, Yeah. all right. Yeah, 15 out of 50 for that. That is definitely our worst book of the day. Greg, take us home. Okay, let's go home. (laughs) (laughs) Almost done. This one was the one I was the most excited for. This is uh, Bebop and Rocksteady Destroy Everything, issue number one. So I'm going to hop right. <laughs> you have this black and white um, comic start with the only thing that's in color is Raphael's uh, mask, which is cool. He's fighting this weird like dinosaur creature. Um, and there's a narration talking about this guy, Savanti Romero, who is a time master Um who is defeated and trapped in the Cretaceous period, um, and he will soon be freed, but because of Bebop and Rocksteady. Um, and it, then it cuts over, and the Ninja Turtles are inside this um, this museum, and Donatello is bringing them there to see this new mummy that's um, been brought in, and a set of fossils that they should be really interested in um and it's got your typical like um your typical like ninja turtles dialogue like talking about all the dinosaurs and um the, how the dinosaur bones aren't as impressive once you've seen real dinosaurs and mikey goes i was actually a little disappointed when we went back in time and didn't find a bunch of skeletons roaming the earth <laughs> like <laughs> it's just it's solid ninja turtles there's some more stuff um oh yeah Donnie goes, hey, Mike, you know why they say uh, if a pterodon were alive today, you wouldn't be able to hear it go to the bathroom? Because the P is silent. (laughs) And it's just, you know, your solid Ninja (laughs) Turtles dad jokes. And I love it. Um, It cuts over and they see this mummy. They're like, I don't know. Like, the mummy's totally disturbing, but, like, why are we here? And then they look over and there's uh, fossils of Bebop and Rocksteady standing tall above them. like, that's impossible, right? What? And then it cuts over, and actually there's a small Donnie in the corner that is acting as the narrator. Um, and he's just talking about 
how this story isn't about us, um, but it's about Savanti and Bebop and Rocksteady. Uh, and sorry, uh, it's the story is super confusing. So he's going to do what he can. And it cuts over to Brazil where Bebop and Rocksteady are fighting reggaeton, which is this like weird looking uh, Latino guy with like fire tattoo all the way down his legs. And he's wearing fire pants with snake, like pointy shoes that actually come into King Cobras at the end of them. <laughs> kind of awesome. I, I love the name too. That's awesome. Reggaeton. And he, he, he's actually telling them to stop calling him that, but he's, they're like, it's sweet, like Latino music that's catchy and has a nice beat. That's a fitting name for you. <laughs> uh, and you find out that they actually failed him and destroyed a, um, so they destroyed a whole boat full of $20 million worth of war bots. Uh, and they're running from the guns. And as they do, this actually caught me off guard. Um, they flip over a container that actually squishes two of Regatone's human soldiers and blood like splatters out from underneath it. Like there's just a huge pool button like, Oh, sorry. We didn't mean to kill them. We actually like you too. <laughs> um, and he's just like, there's just this big shootout and the war bots are firing on them, shooting missiles uh, and bebop and Rocksteady charge them and defeat them. Um, and I think reggaeton even goes, uh, you know what? Never mind. I'm sorry. I like the name. Don't hurt me. <laughs> and then it cuts over and Bebop and Rocksteady are like full of bullet holes and talking about how um, this this is just their life now. They always fail. Uh, and um, Bebop is like, you know what? There's no more Foot Clan, no more soldiers, no more Bebop and Rocksteady. We're done. Uh, and it cuts back to um, the Ninja Turtles. And there's this like weird glowing stone inside the mummy's chest. And they're like, don't touch it. Don't touch it. And Mikey touches it. And it makes this woman teleport there named Renee that has like a clock on her head and like a superhero outfit. Uh, and they know her and they're talking to her. And she is a time master. Um, and they're going back and forth and actually realize that this isn't a Renee that they've met. And she's met turtles from different dimensions at different times. Uh, and they haven't met her in this specific form at this time yet. Hmm. Um, but the this mummy clearly knows them and was a time master and set the stone. And she realizes that she was this mummy. Uh, so a, a mummy from a, a version of her from a different time dies and leaves this stone to bring her here um, with the turtles. And it's, it's really confusing because it's time travel stuff. Um, but they basically realize like, if this is the case, like Savanti must be back um, and we have to find him and stop him. And before it's too late and she tracks Savanti with her, her staff and it leads her to Bebop and Rocksteady who actually killed Savanti or they beat Savanti. He asked them to join him and they just said, nah, and they beat him and took his staff. <laughs> He's supposed to be like this, like strong uh, leader. And they just were like, yeah, that guy who asked us to join his group, Maybe we could uh, give him his staff and uh, and apologize for beating him up and join his group again. <laughs> uh, and they all show up. So the Ninja Turtles and Renee all teleport there and see the see Bebop and Rocksteady, and they get in this huge fight with them. Um, and there's some really cool like black and white panels, like these like where they like show Bebop and Rocksteady is like truly monstrous, and I love it. It's it's really cool. 
Um, it's hard though because every time I see Rocksteady now, I just picture Seamus because of that movie. Oh, I know, forever, <laughs> forever burned in my memory. Yeah. And I actually liked their portrayal. I liked that. That was like the best part of that movie. Yeah. I didn't hate Casey Jones either, but I'm a big Stephen Amell Mark. So true. That does help. Um, and they're going back and forth. Uh, they said something must be off if their bones are fossils, and they're here. Um, as they're fighting. They like it's a, it's a typical Ninja Turtles fight. It's super good. Um, it forces Bebop and Roxanne to actually teleport, and they find themselves back in New York. Um, and they go in to their old hideout, and there is Bebop and Rocksteady as humans. And they're like, "Wait, Bebop, how does he know my name? Rocksteady, how do they know our names?" <laughs> and that's where it ends. I really liked this comic a lot. That's uh, a perfect way to end this episode, I think. Yeah. It sounds like really good. Uh, this one, it was fun. I said that other one was my favorite comic. And then reading back to this, I, I realized how much I enjoyed this. I was just like, kind of rushing to read my books because uh, it's been a busy week with, with ESW coming up. Well, at this time, like ESW is this weekend and all of this crazy stuff in the weather. It's been a very busy week. Um, time travel. Yes, time travel. <laughs> so... Time travel. <laughs> this book. Uh, I'll start with art. This isn't classic Ninja Turtles art. Um, it, it's in this weird space where it reminds me of the old cartoons, but it's still got this newer feel to it. Um, I really enjoyed the artwork. And like I said, there's just some really well done panels um, of Bebop and Rocksteady. I wish I could show you guys. Um, I just really enjoyed. I'll give the art a 10. Okay. Uh, action. There was a ton of action. I'm going to give the action a 10 too. The Bebop and Rocksteady fights were awesome. And the Ninja Turtle, the fight at the end with the turtles involved, it was, I get, it was just classic turtles. They, like, wrap a chain around, like, his chain around um, Donatello's staff, and they're all, like, playing tug-of-war over it to to beat them. <laughs> um, super good. Uh, so that is also a 10. Oh, man, this might be a higher score for me again. I think so. So we're at, we're at two 10s, right? Yeah. Story was very hard to follow. Okay. Story will be a six. I had a lot of trouble um, following it, and that's just time travel stuff. And it's an issue one, so that might clear up as it goes. But I was a little throw like yeah, time travel is really weird. Yeah, it's mid comic. It's yeah. first first issue. Yeah, um, but it, it just made it really it threw me off a little bit. So yeah, that, that what did I say a six six. Yep, so, yeah six. Um, but then we hop over to dialogue, and dialogue felt so true to these characters. I'm gonna give the dialogue a ten. It was funny. Um, I can't deliver the lines the way they are. And you have to really like, if you read the full thing, it just flows super well. Uh, and it's, it's really well done. Um, actually I'm going to give the dialogue an eight cause it, they do a bad job explaining the story. They try really hard, but it's, but it's time travel. It's really, they don't do a bad job. It's very hard to do. So I'm going to give it an eight. Okay. They do the best they possibly can, but the dialogue doesn't clear up the story well enough for me. Okay. Um, but it's still very good. Rereadability is a 10. Uh, I want to pick up the rest of the Bebop and Rocksteady books. I want to pick up the Ninja Turtles books that are going on right now. There's the Ninja Turtles um, Out of the Darkness or whatever, I think. No, that's the movie. That was the second movie. Ninja Turtles something where they're they're doing like a very different take on them. I want to read those. I want to read some older stuff. And I want to read the Ninja Turtles Batman comic. Like This made me want to go like, oh, I never thought I'd really want to read Ninja Turtles. I do. So this was a good book. I really enjoyed it. Good pick, Gullo. No, thank you. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, 44 out of 50. Yeah. Close off the show. So great, great stuff, everyone. We all, I think we all picked up decent books aside from the one Golo read. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's no, okay. I'm, it's okay. No, it's okay. I'm, I haven't had a bad book. No, I, you really haven't. It was my time. Have, I have had one really bad book, and that, oh, two. I had Turok, and I had something else I didn't like. Yeah, but technically, you didn't review Turok. But Doctor Fate. That was the other one. Yeah, you weren't like. happy with that, but it's still. I don't think it was as bad as no. X twenty three or, oh, or gosh, this one. Yet. So, so me and Greg, uh, or excuse me, me and Chris have. Well, Chris now has the toilet bowl award. I gotta re, re- look back and see what the score was. An eight. Was it an eight? Yeah. You remember? I okay. know there's at least one book we can find that's worse than this. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. There's a ton of books we can oh, find. I, I have some. Book. We might I have to do an episode where we tried to get it. But we, we might have to do an episode where we try to, to find, find the book. worst comic book possible. I'm all about it. <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you guys off air. We know what it is. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know what it is now. It took me a second. I will. You know what? We'll review it on that show. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. When I get back, when I get back from vacation, I want to read some shit in comic books. Bro, it's made with Microsoft Paint. <laughs> right. I know. <laughs> from like 1997. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh boy. But um all right, that is the, our show for this week. Like I said, uh this will be my last one for the next 2 to 3 weeks. We're replacing Matt. He just doesn't know yeah. it yet. We're stealing all of his stuff and his dog. Pretty much. Not my dog. Wait, this is coming along. <laughs> Huh? Yeah, no. He's the producer. He is the producer, but you guys will have to do without him. Right, buddy? <laughs> Prince, you good boy? He's, he said, Dad, I think I want to go. Like, Dad, I'm, I'm sleeping. Shut shut up. <laughs> shut up. So, this was great. I'm looking forward to hearing what they come up with while they're gone. Uh, well, I'm gone, actually. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I'm sure they're going to. Reviewing gonna... nothing but Care Bear and My Little Pony comics. Beautiful. Just the way I like it. Uh, so I'm sure they're going to have some cool themes and stuff. Make sure you continue to check them out. Check us out. And we will be back. Well, I'll be back three weeks. So, everyone, thanks so much for listening. And uh, talk to you next week on the yes. panel discussion. Yes.